Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, it's episode 36 for the love of the game. Let's get it rolling. It is your boy, ATH, back behind the mic, episode 36 for the love of the game. Back in the studio after a little bit. Glad to be back. Uh, just a quick note before uh, we get into, you know, all the light topics that we like to discuss. Uh, since the last episode, there have been two attacks on the United States and our freedoms. Uh, one in the synagogue in Pittsburgh, uh, which rings close to my heart being a Jewish guy, and the other being the shooting in California and the nightclub. Just just awful. There's really not much to say. Uh, a lot of people are going to say a lot of different things. It, I believe it's just a humanity problem more than anything else. And if we're not the best version of ourselves, uh, this is what happens. So I pray for uh, all the victims and their families, and um, we just got to be better. But anyway, um, trying to keep things light, but I figured I'd, uh, I'd have to mention it. Lots to get into. Uh, in the worlds of sports, because right now is really an action-backed time in the world of the sports calendar. Uh, seems like there's something to watch every single night. NFL is at the midway point. NBA season is in full bloom. NHL season in full full bloom as well. College football's playoff is coming, and college basketball just tipped off its uh, regular season. Whole lot of stuff going on, lots to discuss. So let's start with the NFL. Uh, also, uh, congratulations to the Boston Red Sox. Uh, for winning the World Series, We're, but enough with that. Uh, let's go, anyway, back to the NFL. A couple of quick-hitting things, and I will say that Week 9 had a lot of interesting games and some really good games. So here are a couple of just overview topics. Uh, the New Orleans Saints have looked like absolute world beaters, uh, absolutely dominant since Week 2 uh, after beating the Rams on Sunday, who were previously the only undefeated team left in the league. The Saints now have the inside track to the number one seed in the NFC. Drew Brees at damn near 40 years old. Looks like he's going to win the MVP again. Just an unbelievable season from him and the Saints. Uh, they're playing incredibly good football right now. Now, having said that, I still believe that the L.A. Rams are the best team in the NFC. One blip on the radar 
it doesn't really change much. I mean, they lost in New Orleans in New Orleans. I'm still buying Ram stock if anybody's willing to sell it. The damn Patriots are doing Patriots things again, as per usual, and Josh Gordon is heating up. Does that surprise anybody? Well, it shouldn't because of the Patriots infrastructure. The Carolina Panthers are low-key one of the hottest teams in football. North Turner's offense has been great, and Cam Newton has been playing some of the best ball of his career over this stretch. Uh, They are an exceedingly dangerous team, even if at the time of recording they are down 24-7 against the Steelers. Uh, You know, Thursday night football games can always get a weird result, uh, but still, a lot of good stuff from the Panthers over the last couple of weeks. A message for Giants fans, Jets fans, and anyone who hated on the Giants taking Saquon Barkley number two overall because Sam Darnold was supposed to be the future, and you got to take the quarterback. You got to have the quarterback. Has anybody seen Sam Darnold play the last three weeks? Well, if you haven't, I'm going to give you a little bit of a synopsis of what it's looked like. It hasn't been good. Exceedingly sloppy. Now, I know the Jets are not very good. They have very few offensive playmakers. But he makes some throws that are just absolutely baffling. And I don't want to hear that he's a rookie because right now to be a QB in the NFL, especially a rookie QB, it is way easier to do it in today's league than it is in the past uh, because of all the rule changes. Every single rule change uh, has benefited the offense um, and gives the offenses every advantage. So when people who compared Darnold as a rookie to Peyton Manning as a rookie, you people are crazy. It's not even a comparison. Now, I'm not saying Darnold can't be good in the future. That's not what I'm saying. But I never saw him as a franchise changer, and I still don't believe he's a franchise changer. Meanwhile, Saquon Barkley, if he stays healthy, will be in the Hall of Fame. He will go down as one of the great running backs of all time. He's either the best or second best back in the league. Yeah, the Giants stink, and it's exceedingly frustrating, but guess what? They're going to have a chance to get their QB of the future either this year or in the next year's draft, uh, depending on who they like in this upcoming's draft. So anybody's saying that taking Saquon at number two when in the top five you want to get a generational talent and a potential Hall of Famer is a mistake, well, guess what? You're all wrong. Last thing on the NFL before moving on. So I've been on quite a stretch with my picks against the spread the last two weeks. I am 12-2-1 the last three weeks, which is by far the best stretch of my brief picking against the spread career. So without further ado, here are week 10's uh, best bets, I believe. Uh, Number one, the Bears minus 6.5 against the Lions. The Lions seem to have packed it in. They traded Golden Tate at the trade deadline. It just looks like they've given up. The Bears' defense is pretty pretty ferocious. Even if Khalil Mack doesn't play, I, I just don't see the Lions going into Chicago and... Coming close in this game, I think Chicago covers the six and a half. Bengals plus five and a half against the Saints. I know we just I just spoke about the Saints and how awesome they've been, but the Saints are a very different team outdoors on the road than they are at home. Uh, I just think with a, a Bengals team that's pretty solid, giving five and a half points, uh, I like the points. I just think it's too many points for the Saints, so give me the points. Falcons minus four. I talk about how I hate the Falcons all the time, but they're playing the Browns. And right now, uh, you bet against the Browns. Uh, Seahawks, plus 10 against the Rams. Uh, It's a division game. 
And in that division, these teams tend to pl- these two teams tend to play close games. So I just think ten points is way too high. Uh, I like the Seahawks with the ten points. And last but not least, number five. I can't believe I'm doing it, but Giants plus three. I know it's a weird week. I'm back in the Falcons. I'm back in the Giants, who are terrible. I don't get it. But the Giants are playing the San Francisco 49ers. I know the 49ers beat up on the Raiders last week really, really good. But the Giants are not the Raiders. And I don't think the 49ers are going to be able to duplicate what they did last week. So here I am, uh, Giants plus three, and those are my five best bets of the week. On to the NBA, lots to get into with the best league in all the land, and my next show after this will be a roundup to really dive deep into what's been going on in the NBA, but here's a small little taste of uh, what's been going on uh, since the start of the season. The Toronto Raptors may be the deepest team in the league. They have been destroying teams so far when Kawhi Leonard's played and when he hasn't played. I mean, you saw what they did to the Lakers without Kawhi Leonard. They beat their brains in. Kyle Lowry has been excellent, is playing the best ball of his career, and they are so deep with long, switchable athletes uh, on the bench that they're really, really a, um, a scary team, and they should be the class of the East. The Milwaukee Bucks have also been really, really excellent. They've adapted to Mike Budenholzer's uh, style of play, Fast pace, more threes, and with Giannis in the middle of it all, he's been the MVP of the league so far, and he's been incredibly fun to watch so far. And shout out to uh, Bucks rookie Dante DiVincenzo, someone who I loved going into the draft. He's getting some run for them. It looks like he's going to be a, a major cog in their um, in their rotation this year. The Lakers and Celtics. Two of the most storied franchises uh, have had their own versions of turmoil and frustration. We'll speak about more on that on those two teams specifically next episode. Lots to talk about there. The Sacramento Kings, yes, those Sacramento Kings who haven't been in the playoffs in forever, after being in the lottery for the last decade and a half, seem to have found something intriguing. De'Aaron Fox, the second-year point guard, looks like he can be a star. Marvin Bagley looks like he's going to be special as well. Buddy Heald can play and can shoot, and he's been playing well. They're 6-4 and four so far. Can't believe I'm saying this. Break up the Sacramento Kings. And speaking of Marvin Bagley, this rookie class looks like it's going to be an all-time rookie class. I mean, joining the likes of last year's rookie class, just a lot, a lot of really good young talent coming into the NBA, and that's why the NBA is so incredibly interesting, and it's so incredibly awesome, and I can't wait to talk about it on the next episode. College basketball season tipped off this week, and I'll get into that uh, in depth with tonight's guest, uh, a recurring guest that you all know and love, but I need to talk about the Duke-Kentucky game from Tuesday night, because that was Quite a showcase. Oh my God, was that a showcase. Kentucky was ranked num- the number two team in the country. Duke was number four. Between the two teams, there were about six or seven top 15 recruits going into that game. Just a ridiculously stacked game in terms of young talent and potential NBA talent as well. And you all know the only reason I watch college basketball this early on is for the NBA prospects. So for me, this was must-TV, must-watch TV. And let me tell you, it did not disappoint. I wanted to see the Duke trio of uh, heralded freshmen that will all likelihood be three of the top five picks in this coming year's draft. And what a performance they put on. 
Duke scored 118 points in a college game. That is ridiculous considering the shot clock is 30 seconds and each half is 20 minutes long. 118 points. Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, and R.J. Barrett, the uh, the Duke trio I was just telling you about, uh, combined for 83 points, almost the exact number of points that Kentucky scored as a team. They won by 34 points, 118 to 84, and it felt like a 60-point game. Zion Williamson for Duke is like nothing we have ever seen before. He is 6'7", 285, chiseled with a 45-inch vertical and incredibly nimble feet with point guard skills. He's like a young Charles Barkley mixed with a member of the X-Men. It's it's pure insanity. And he may not be the best NBA prospect on his own team. Craziness. You know, R.J. Barrett right now is the number one prospect. You know, uh, all the NBA draft sites have him as the number one player in the draft this coming year. And I don't like Duke. I really don't like Duke. I'm a UNC fan, but it's going to be really hard to not like this Duke team this year. I can't stress how impressive this performance was. It was the most dominant performance I've seen in a college game between two really good teams ever. Duke looked like it could at least hang with the bottom of the barrel of the NBA teams this year. And that's not hyperbole. I mean, holy shit, were they dominant. Jay Billis still has an erection from Tuesday night because of this game. It's just insane. I legit think they have a chance to run the table, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more with tonight's uh, recurring guest, Mr. Jordan Marks, coming up in just a minute. All right, uh, start of college basketball season. I had to bring on my college uh, sports expert, uh, you all know his voice uh, from prior episodes. Uh, he's on the road right now, but he is nice enough to give me a couple of minutes of his time. Mr. Jordan Marks. Jordan, what's going on, man? Hey, buddy. How's it going? All is good. All is good. Before we get into tonight's topics, um, congratulations on the marathon, uh, running the marathon, uh, New York City Marathon, this past Sunday. Uh, was this your first one? This was my first one, yes. How, how do you feel? Um, not great. It's uh, definitely a miserable uh, after race experience, but uh, it was actually a really inspirational and kind of awesome. So, well, you got highly recommend. You got great weather for it. You really lucked out. Yeah, it, it was beautiful. Perfect. Low fifties, high forties. Perfect. All right, good good stuff for from you on on that front. Um, so wanted obviously, you know, talk a little college hoops. Uh, there was a major uh, game that happened this week that we're going to talk about in depth a little bit. But before we go into that, um, you know, the, the stacking of the schedule for for these college teams. Obviously, ESPN had to showcase the doubleheader. We had four of the top ten teams. We had Kansas against Michigan State. We had Duke and Kentucky. You know, what what are your thoughts? on, um, you know, throwing us into the fire that early uh, with these top 10 matchups. I mean, wouldn't you want to see these teams play later on in the year when there's a little bit more cohesiveness uh, with these teams? Or or do you like the fact that it's just like we're getting the best teams playing each other right off the bat? Yeah. No, I mean, they've done this for quite a while. Uh, Usually usually they actually have that like a 24-hour marathon with ESPN. Uh, kind of before, and then they go into the Champions Classic. 
So I've had this Champions Classic for about like three or four years now. Um, I'm definitely pro. I I understand the like thought process behind like waiting for it, but I'm also very pro the conference season and the rival and the rivalries behind it. Like, obviously, I'm like a free college basketball fan, so I thoroughly enjoy like a Thursday night bout between like North Carolina and Virginia, or like Saturday with Indiana and Wisconsin. But uh, and and those players who have played together in AAU ball, then they go on and play like full conference seasons together during the course of the grind of the regular season. Um, but this this is just such a great spark to the beginning of what's such a great sport, and it introduces you to all the players you're about to follow all season long, especially with the teams that they select for the Champions Classic. I think it's just a great start to a great what's about to be five months of the sport. Yeah, I – I mean, for me, as I've mentioned many times, I, I watch college basketball for the, the pro prospects. And uh, Tuesday night, there were quite a few pro prospects to check out. Um, so let's let's just jump right in because it, it's been, you know, the biggest talking point. You know, one of the really one, the biggest talking point in sports right now is, you know, the Duke-Kentucky game. Uh, your reactions when you watch that game? Yeah, it's speechless. It's 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 it was it was it was a, a jaw dropping. There is no reaction. When when Zion committed to Coach K back in like the end of January, everyone thought this would be like one of the best teams in America, and he was joining a class that was already stellar. You know. Two projected lottery picks in, in Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett and, like, another first-rounder in Trey Jones. And and Tuesday night was just beyond our wildest imagination. If you, like, watch the broadcast, like, Jay Billis didn't even know what to say. He was speechless. He, there was no commentary that was necessary. The internet, like, exploded after the game, like, the athletic ESPN, they didn't even know what to write about the game because it was such a whooping. This Kentucky team that was a top five team did not belong in the same gym as this team. And I, there's not much to say, but like their length, their athletic ability, their effort on every, on both sides of the ball was just far superior to that awesome Kentucky team that everybody thought would be a top five team coming in and a final four contender. So yeah, it's just speechless. Jay Billis, I I think was almost going to have a heart attack uh, during the game, but I I've never been, you know, had my jaw on the floor from a college game like this. Um, I've never enjoyed a 34 point drubbing like this. And that 34 point drubbing felt like 50 points. Yeah, uh, it, it it truly did. Uh, <laughs> there's no the, the I think the piece that people are missing is how good they were defensively. Yes, they let up 84 points, but their like length and athletic ability were was so disruptive on the defensive end of the floor that they turned it in to insane transition. Like when when Zion would block it and then pass it up and find Marquise Bolden under the hoop for like a quick slam it's it's just a crazy crazy experience 
All right, so let's 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 gush on Zion Williamson right now. I mean, for those who don't know, this guy was the the number two overall recruit coming into this uh, to this college basketball season. Um, he has 1.4 million followers on Instagram already because of his uh, house of highlights and his high school highlights. Um, you know, he's had he had a little bit of an issue with uh, potential uh, asking for payments from Kansas. You know, there, there's a lot that we've already heard about Zion Williamson. And then we got to watch him play. And this guy who's. Basically the same size as Aaron Judge. He's 6'7", he's 285, but he's chiseled. He has a 45-inch vertical, and he's got nimble feet with point guard skills. Like, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, yeah, I think everybody kind of has to drop all the off-court stuff with Zion, right? Like, it's once you start to see him play, you're like, this guy has no business being in college basketball. Why is he not helping the, as you would say, like the Knicks or the Atlanta Hawks or the Phoenix Suns right now? He has no business being here. And for anyone to argue for him to not be paid $10,000 or whatnot is, is a complete joke. Insane. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, he looked as advertised. I mean, he can shoot. He, can he would just pop up from top of the key and hit a three like it was nothing to him he could defend he's a total mutant mismatch <laughs> he was unbelievable and honestly the freaky part is that we could talk about zion just like we could talk about rj and cam which is ridiculous about this duke team there were you know obviously RJ Barrett is is really silky smooth and has a complete game. Uh, Cam Reddish looks smooth on offense, but it's just the eye-popping athleticism and the physical dominance that Zion had that it's just like it was so ridiculous. I mean, there were two plays, you know, two highlights that really just summed up the night for me. One is he came down um, after giving like an inside-out dribble Hit a hit a deep pull up two, which was nice. He then had a crossover move, uh, where he looks like you know he has the feet of like a ballerina in terms of his agility to move side to side. Crosses somebody over, takes two steps from it looked like the foul line, you know beyond the foul line, and just dunked it with ease. It was just so ridiculous. But that wasn't even the best part. You know the highlight of the night for me was that crossover dunk. Was he blocked the shot? where uh, he yeah. just engulfed <laughs> this shot with one arm, just, like, caught it out of the guy's hands. Like, it, it, that shot had no chance of going in. Then dribbles down and then threads the needle on a bounce pass to, uh, was it R.J. Barrett? I think it was R.J. Barrett. The guy makes a layup and one. I mean, it yeah, was it's just RJ. the most most dominant Form of that athleticism on a college on a college court I've ever seen. Like it was, it was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah that that was the play that made. They asked Steve Kerr, "What do you think about Zion Williamson?" Then he said, "I thought there was only one coming of LeBron James." It was it was crazy. I mean, the guy has point guard skills at that size, and and he had another. And there was one more. He had this rebound where he basically he you know went off just a. A, a standard offensive rebound goes up in the air off two feet, and 
he just levitated. Like, he jumped a head and shoulders above, like, some 6'10 center. It was just, I, I could not believe this guy. And he's may yeah, not be... And he may not be the number one NBA prospect on no. his own team. No. Yeah, no. I, I mean, RJ is still consensus all Amer- first-team All-American and projected player of the year. It's like, it's yeah, it's crazy. Just, just wild. I mean, I'm not a Duke fan. I know you're not a Duke fan. This, but this isn't a Duke team. This is it's not, not Kyle Singler and... Nolan Smith. These aren't the players that you hate. This is a one-and-done team that'll all be gone next year. And they, as I said, they might as well be Phoenix Suns and Atlantic Hawks. Like, how I they end up on the New York Knicks? One of them. It'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be amazing. But I just, it was jaw-dropping. And Kentucky's got like three top fifteen recruits on their team too. Yeah. Projected lottery pick. It was. It and they didn't eye-opening. look like they should be on the same floor with them. It looked like a JV team. It looked like a JV team against a varsity. Yep. I mean, if this is going to be the case, I know Duke's not going to play like this all year, but but could they run the table? I mean, it, it has to be in play. So I, I was thinking about this uh, watching, and and I think that the I think the answer is no because I think it's it's significantly difficult to do that. But is it possible? Sure. But I think what you can't do with this team is try to run with them. I think that's a huge mistake. Uh, um, you, uh, you think? Yeah. So, like, if you're going to do it, you're going to be Tony Bennett in Virginia. Right. You're going to slow them down, play in the half court, make Trey Jones make all the plays, you know, just make them just pass and come up to like a man-to-man defensive team that's been doing it for so long with upperclassmen and just get like a 50 to 60 possession game, I think that's the way to chip away at Duke. And it it doesn't have to be Virginia, but I mean, Virginia is definitely the notorious historical team that would do that. But they're going to play Virginia twice this year, and I bet they probably don't win one of those games because, again, running the table – especially with like primetime road games against teams that are going to slow them down might be a little more difficult, but do I think they'll win most of the games on their schedule? If, if teams try to run, turn them over, play in transition, they have, no one's going to have a chance against them. If that's the method. I think the last team to run the table and win the whole thing was Indiana with um, Bob Knight and Scott may like in like 1976 or something like that. I mean, I think it has, it hasn't been done in a long time, but I mean, this Duke team, you know, they may be able to do it. So, I mean, we, we've spent, you know, a handful of minutes on, on Duke and and rightfully so, because they're going to be must watch television. Uh, so besides for the trio of reddish RJ Barrett and, um, and uh, Zeus himself, Zion Williamson. Uh, what? Who are some of the other uh, diaper dandies, as Dick Vitale would say, that we should uh, be looking out for this year? Yeah, sure. So, like Tuesday night was actually like it wasn't just one game. There was a bunch of games on. Uh, um, so, like the other game, the highlighted game was the Kansas Michigan State game that I guess wasn't as as pretty as like the final score resulted in because Kansas kind of was up the whole game. But this kid, Quentin Grimes and uh, Devon Dotson, were uh, Kansas' backcourt. Quentin Grimes is actually 
like a top ten player coming into the year, and uh, he could be that next like Kansas guard that you see as like a real contender for like an All American spot. He was shooting lights out. He ran Bill Self's offense with relative ease. He got the ball into Azubuki and Diedrich Lawson pretty easily. I mean, that's the number one team in the country technically right now. Yeah, and nobody well, come really. On. I know, but nobody. There's no reason to move them down. They beat Michigan State, another top ten team. It's not. Yes, Duke leaps and bounds destroyed a top five team, but at the same time, Kansas is an outstanding basketball team, and uh, Quentin Grimes is like a really good freshman who I would definitely keep an eye on. Um, Romeo Langford at uh, Indiana is a six foot six wing who kind of plays a little like Colin Sexton where he could just really rip at the net. He could shoot. He creates all by himself. Uh, super athletic. Definitely a kid to watch out for that could put Indiana basketball back on the map. Well, I hope it's and, the Colin Sexton version from last year because I think that guy's <laughs> forgotten how to play in the pros, which is unfortunate. <laughs> and then uh, Manute Ball's son, Ball Ball. Yeah. Isn't he's a Oregon seven foot three center. He's actually, yeah, he's a, he's a five star freshman. He's superb. On Tuesday night, he was electric. Um, he, he has he an gobbles un- up. Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, no, he gobbles up. Yeah, I think he had 14 rebounds on Tuesday night, something ridiculous. Uh, but he's, he's definitely going to be a player. He'll definitely be drafted. Um, he's definitely a kid to keep an eye on this year because I think he's going to be in a lot of primetime situations in the pack and definitely put Oregon back on the map. He's got he's got some handle to him. And also, he's got, like, an unbelievable sneaker collection. Um, if you notice on Instagram, he's got, like, the freshest, you know, versions of all these shoes. I don't understand how he's getting them because he was a high school, you know, player who's not making any money. But whatever. I mean, whatever. we're not going to go there. Um, Let's have another podcast about yeah, that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But and and also there's a you know a kid on UNC who's projected to be maybe, uh, yeah a top six seven pick. Yeah, Nazir Little. He he is uh, definitely uh, a top guy. He he had a rough rough outing. I I don't know why Roy Williams decided to play that game at Wofford after last year. I guess I guess they had the home and home that they already had agreed to, mm-hmm. and that's really ballsy because you don't really gain much from that. Uh, but they ended up coming up top. Luke May looked great. Um, uh, I think North Carolina is going to have a much, be- a much better year than people expect because I think people are now looking at them in like Duke and Virginia's shadow. But, uh, yeah, Nazir Little should be a really athletic, great player for them. So I think, and, and I, again, I, uh, this is why I wanted to have you on to talk about it. Uh, the ACC is clearly like the number one conference in college basketball. Uh, I mean, what comes next? The Big Ten? Oh, I, I don't think so. I, I think the SEC, SEC is going to be very good this year. And the Big 12, I would also put ahead of the Big Ten. Really? Uh, the, the SEC is always looked down upon, but Kentucky, Auburn, um, this year, I think Mississippi State's going to be back. I think LSU has one of the best point guards in the country and Tremont Waters. Um, I, yeah, I think that the Big 12 also, like you, ha- you still have 
Kansas, West Virginia, Texas, Kansas State's going to be very good. Um, and no, the big, the big Ten solid. Uh, you know, Michigan State's going to be okay, and Michigan will be they'll be top twenty-five teams. But Wisconsin's still down. Um, Iowa's down. Indiana is going to be okay, but not like a top twenty-five team all year. Ohio State. Ohio State lost Kate Bates Diop, so they're still rebounding. Uh, they're waiting to still get in the recruiting after Thad left, so we'll see. It seems to me that this is a very, very deep college basketball season. That obviously, besides for Duke, there's just like a lot of fun teams to watch, which is which is nice because we haven't had that in the past. Um, and that that's good. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think I, th- I think the nature of of uh, how the younger players are coming in now creates that it's. It's not really you have your big men and your guards now. It's you have your big men who can shoot threes because that's how every young player wants to play now. And then you have guards that can create. And I think it creates a really fun game at that level. Yeah, and, and considering with the zone defenses the and the shot clock being 30 seconds and the, the three-point line being closer, I mean, it, it's really hard to be a really dominant post player. Um, in today's college basketball, uh, in the NBA too, but especially in college basketball because the, just the spacing isn't there, right? They can just take it away. So, you know, you have to adapt as a big man. Um, I just wanted to give you a little bit of the floor for uh, Michigan Wolverines basketball. I think they're they're top 20 right now. I think they were what? 16, 15. Um, yeah. What do you see from them uh, for this no, year? No, I, I mean, I think they're they're going to be have a great, a good, season this year uh you know coming off a national a tough national championship loss mm-hmm. i definitely haven't i probably haven't spoken to you since then but uh it's yeah that was a brutal loss and uh that villanova team was superb yeah they ran um, into a buzzsaw uh, exactly so that was what it was i mean it, a lot of the players are still still on the team the only player we lost was Maurice wagner uh and then muhammad ali abdur rahman so it's a little bit of offensive production to uh, replace, but you still have one of the better defensive teams in the Big Ten. Um, you get Charles Matthews back. You get point guard Xavier Simpson back. You get Jordan Poole, one of your best shooters. And then you're adding a, a really key freshman, this Canadian Ignis Brzezikis, who is kind of like a Nick Stauskas type player, except more uh, inside the lane play. Also so Canadian, think, Nick Stauskas. Yeah. So, uh, John Beeline's a great coach, obviously. He's been to the tournament maybe eight times in the past ten years. So, um, I think they're definitely going to make the tournament and uh, should be a promising season. Problem is, to repeat kind of like last year's success is obviously a very difficult thing in, the co- in college basketball. Yeah, uh, but they have the coach to do it, and, and college basketball – you know, way more so than the NBA is is coach driven, and Beeline seems to have a great culture there. And you know, he's one of the the five or six best coaches in the league when it comes to um, scheming and and all that goes into college basketball. I, I'm very impressed by him. Amen. All right, so that's a little college basketball. Um, but before I let you go, I wanted to um, you know, college football playoff is coming. Uh, 
down the pipes. Uh, a certain team of yours is currently in the playoff picture. Uh, talk to me a little bit about college football. Um, it seems to be Alabama, Clemson, and everybody else. Uh, is that really the case? I mean, do, does you know Michigan uh, and a couple of teams outside looking in, um, you know Notre Dame, uh, maybe even Ohio State? Can can they really make a run at this, or is it we looking at Alabama, Clemson again? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd love to come on the day after the playoffs chosen to talk about it, but uh, maybe we'll get to talk a little more college basketball then as well. But it, the way I see college football this year is uh, it really it's not Alabama, Clemson, and everyone else. It's Alabama and everyone else. The Alabama team this year is is on another level because they have the same defensive talent. Everyone from the defensive line to the secondary is a, a five-star uber athletic freak show. So the defense is there like it's always been and they're extraordinarily disciplined Nick Saban defense. But now they have two attack of Iloa who is an, something they've never had before that creates an incredibly prolific offense with a Jerry Judy, who is their, Julio Jones, essentially. So to have this kind of electric offense combined with the best defense in college football puts them at a different level. And when you have Clemson, who has like a freshman at quarterback, and you're playing against an ACC schedule that I can't really stack up against the rest of the league, it's a little more difficult to judge. Um, do I think that Michigan and Notre Dame have a shot at it? Sure. I mean, it's still college football, but to say that Alabama is at another tier is probably more accurate right now. So I don't really watch college football. I um, I did check in on the game against LSU. I mean, it was number one against number three uh, because I did want to scout a uh, potential future Giants quarterback Tua Tavagaloa, whatever his name is, because he's the man. He's like a, a left-handed Russell Wilson. I mean, he's only thrown one interception this year. And he rarely plays in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so ridiculous. It's it, it it's just so obnoxious. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, I I mean, in terms of where you see yourself as a Michigan fan right now, how how are you feeling? Uh, are, yeah, are, have you been mentally prepared for this upcoming you know slate against Ohio State? Like, are, are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's insane pressure. I, I think we have the second best defense in college football, um, but then again, like you know, going on the road, playing Ohio State, like in in the collegiate level of sport, you have to throw away everything that happened before when you come to a rivalry game like that, where all the players are looking forward to that, and it's based on pure emotion that. You have five stars going against five stars, and nothing really matters. So statistically, all season long, we should blow the doors off Ohio State, right? Like, they got destroyed by Purdue. They were neck and neck with Indiana. There's no reason why Michigan should lose to Ohio State. But at the same time, when it comes down to it, in two weeks, we're going to be playing them, and that's their Super Bowl. They need to win that game, so... Yes, I'm extraordinarily nervous, but 
that's the game that we need that Jim Harbaugh needs to win to get to the next level. And for all the naysayers uh, against Harbaugh who have been, you know, I'm not sure how loud they've been that he that he may be wearing out his welcome in in Michigan in Ann Arbor. To that, you say. I can't curse on this, so forget it. <laughs> but screw him. <laughs> screw him? Screw him. Yeah. Uh, you're not nervous at all about Harbaugh in terms of him going back to the pros in the next two or three years? No. No, no, no. I think this is it. I don't think he likes working under uh, corporate ownership. I think he is such a unique figure. And I think that the collegiate level gives him that – that uh exposure that he uh kind of needs and wants and desires for him and his family all right jordan before i let you go um so if you had to uh predict the the four teams the final four teams who how's it gonna look based on the schedules i mean definitely alabama i think definitely i think definitely alabama i think definitely clemson I think Michigan will be there, and I don't. I don't think that Notre Dame will get leapfrogged, but so I. But I think I'll say Oklahoma will get there at the end because okay. I think that that's how they'll vote. That's how they'll vote. So, but that means that Notre Dame would have to drop out two spots. Yeah, yeah. I think Notre Dame would drop out if they lost the game. And can Georgia, is there any way Georgia gets in? I see Georgia is going to have to play in the SEC championship against Alabama. So the answer is no, because they'll get smoked. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in Georgia right now and I'm going tomorrow. I mean, not tomorrow, Saturday to Auburn, Georgia. And even for that game, Georgia is is vulnerable yeah even though it's a home game but you know well potential future giants quarterback jake Fromm is somebody i'd like to keep an eye on (laughs) anyway jordan uh thanks so much for giving me the time i know you've been traveling a little bit all over the place uh you're still recovering from the marathon Uh, i appreciate your insight as always my man and um, we're gonna do this again soon you know because i'm sure we're gonna have to gush over duke a lot this year and uh we'll get you back on uh at least before the uh, the college football um, season, uh, the playoff starts. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, buddy. Absolutely. Speak to you. Bye. Speak to you. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks again to recurring guest and college sports expert, Mr. Jordan Marks. And that is episode 36 for the love of the game. Take us out, Nelly.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.